we're in a series called I'm In, and uh, this is I'm In Part 2, and uh, we're, we're going to jump in, and if you missed Part 1, I uh, would love for you to go back, look at it uh, on YouTube or on the podcast, because all of these kind of connect together, and uh, we'd love to get you just kind of the whole experience, uh, but today we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, it's been our scripture for the series, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, they devoted, this is the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Everyone. That's, that's good. Everyone. Everybody in. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, everybody say every day. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's powerful. And the early church, the early church movement, the early church was all in. The people of the early church, there was one of the characteristics, we talked about this last week, they were devoted. They were committed. They were all in on the thing that God was doing. Being all in requires a great commitment. It really does. As we talked about last week, is it requires a great commitment. It requires a conscious choice, a decision. And to be all in on one thing requires me to be out on something else. That's the difficulty sometimes of being in, being all in on what God's doing. All in in one thing requires me to make some sacrifices and be out on something else. But the early church was so enamored, so committed, so devoted with what God was doing that they were all in, completely participating on the thing that God was doing. We talked about this last week, but there's a difference between a spectator and a participator. A spectator watches commentates, criticizes, complains. I'm describing myself as I watch football. <laughs> you know, you, I'm a fan, all right? I'm a good fan. I'm a good fan. I'm all in. Like, I, like I'm all in on what's happening. Fans, that word comes from the word fanatic. You know that, right? Like, fans are crazy. I was looking up this week some of the craziest fans, and people have done some crazy stuff. I mean, like some crazy stuff, like spending $100,000 on plastic surgery to look like Justin Bieber. And he didn't get all the way there, you know? It's like, it's like whoa, you needed 200000 you know what I'm saying? I mean, people do crazy things. I remember I grew up in Seattle, Washington, and we were watching the Seattle Mariners play, and we'd go into the stadium, Safeco Field, and we would watch them play, and, and I was there with some friends, and, and uh, we were watching the game, and there was like this commotion on the third baseline in, in the stands, and we were watching, we could tell like something was going on, and out, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a man jumps over the fence onto the field with nothing but his cleats. Yeah, just his Nikes, just, just do it, and he did. Just, all right, man, do you. The problem is when you watch it on TV, they, 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 they cut to commercial. When you're there in real life, he's there as long as he's there. And this wasn't your average streaker. All right, this wasn't like a 40-yard dash, he gets tackled, he gets taken off. This guy should have played football because he's out there like juking in just his Nikes, spin move. Heisman, I mean, like, he's doing the whole thing. Security guards are like, we need help, reinforcements. They're out there. They finally tackled this guy. And it's one of those things that was so bad you couldn't look away. 
You know, it's like, oh, oh, no. And he's like, juking, you know, this is, sorry for the mental picture. They finally tagged him in these very Sacrificial first responders took off their jackets and they tackled him and covered him with their jackets. I'm just gonna tell you, I got a rule. If you're gonna jump out of there naked, you're gonna walk out of there naked. There is no way on this earth I'm giving you my jacket to cover you. You are the one that took off your clothes in the stand, you're gonna walk out of here naked. That's just, that's just. in fact, we've got some rules in my house about this because my kids have a problem. They, they, have, they have an issue. When they get out of the bathroom, out of the shower, like a demonic presence comes in our home and they will beeline for our bed and they will take those naked bodies and they will jump up on my bed and they think it's funny to sit on my pillow. I'll tell you, everybody has limits and that's one of mine. I'm like, uh-uh, as for me and my house, we will not put naked behinds on pillows. The places where our head goes, that should be clean. <laughs> Fans are crazy. You know what, I, I, I was thinking about this this week. People that watch get crazy. People that watch, fan, fans are in the, in the stands. You know the, the Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles, any Eagle fans out there? security watched them. Did you know that in, in the stadium, they actually have a holding cell, a jail cell, in their stadium? That's, that's how crazy those Eagle fans are. Now we've identified you, thank you. That's how crazy they are. Fans are crazy because they're not in, they're watching. Fans are crazy when they're watching. They're crazy as, spark, as spectators. I'm going to tell you this. You were never called to be a spectator. Watching what God's doing will make you crazy. Jesus did not deal with the people that were participators. He had to deal with the spectators. He had to deal with the religious leaders that watched because the people that watched went crazy. People came against him as he's doing good things, healing people, helping people, and they came against him. And he had to deal with the people that were religious, that had good knowledge, but they weren't all in on what he was doing. I want to talk about the early church and how they were in. I want to talk about really the anatomy of the early church because this scripture says they were devoted and it says what they were devoted to. So I want to look at what they were devoted to and then the product it produced. Because I believe this, if they did that and they got that product, I believe if we did that, we would get that product. So if we want the things that they got, we've got to do the things that they did. So I want to look at this and, and the first thing you see this is the early church was devoted to teaching to the apostles' teaching. This would be, in our day, this would be messages, this would be preaching, but this is really, in its purest form, a commitment to the Word of God. It is saying that I am not going to live culturally, I'm gonna live biblically. And there's a difference, if you didn't know. There's a difference between living culturally and living biblically, and that means you need to know your Bible. You need to know what God says about you and your call and your destiny. What God says about your marriage and what God says about your future. What God says about your legacy. You need to know what he says. Because the early church, they were devoted to the word of God. We were just with our second year interns. We're about to kick off another year of internship. And we've got incredible interns coming in this year. And uh, we were the second years doing training, leadership training. And, and I, I was telling them that the word of God is a filter that has to be overlaid over your emotions. Because if you 
just run your life by your emotions, you will not end up in a good place. Emotions are great servants but hellish masters. Emotions are for enrichment, not for guidance. We've got too many people being ran by their feelings. Well, I didn't feel like coming to church today. Obviously not you. You're here. Good job. But all those other people still sleeping in or at brunch, jealous of them. Because maybe we didn't feel like it. Your feelings will lie to you. That's why we have the word of God as a plumb line, as a true north, that we take the word of God, we overlay it over our feelings to make sure that our feelings line up with the word of God. My feelings don't dictate my theology. The word of God dictates my theology. And the early church was committed. They were devoted. They gave attention to the teaching or the word of God. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to having community with one another. Not just the word of God, but also fellowship with one another. Now, if you don't know this about me, I'm an introvert. I, I really enjoy being by myself. I went up to do this teaching, and uh, it was about two and a half hour drive. Drove up there all by myself. It was incredible. In the car, no one else, just me and me and me. It's awesome. I got out of the car. I'm like, hey. Everyone's like, wow, what's been going on? You look great. Feel like, look like you're happy. Man, who you been hanging out with? Me. That's what recharges me, being with me. And I was like, I guess that's a good thing. Um, good self-image, I guess. Um, I'm, a good, I'm a good friend to myself. But, but that, I, I, like, I like being by myself. But you know that God created us to have community with one another? That's why in Genesis it says, God, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. That was not just romantic relationship. It's that we were created innately and intricately to need other people that we've got to do this thing together. The early church was committed to community. We have to move away from a self-centered, me-focused lifestyle and realize that we're supposed to do this thing together. This is great, but I want you to know, living life together looks like getting in a group. It, gets, it looks like getting with someone and sharing your faith. It looks like getting someone just sharing your life because sometime you're gonna go through a hard time and you're gonna need somebody. And somebody else can go through a hard time and they're gonna need you. And you got to live this thing together and you have to be intentional about it. Some people say, man, it's so intimidating to go to a group or to lead a group. Listen, what do you like to do? Well, Pastor, I really like to eat, perfect. Could you take three people with you? That's a group. It says they broke bread, they're sitting around a table eating. They are not discussing hermeneutics or eschatology. They're just like, Hey, man, let's go to Uncle Julio's and get the carne asada. That's what I'm craving today. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm about 3 o'clock today, I'm going to be sitting in Uncle Julio's eating some carne asada. I'm going to tell you right now. They sat around tables. They broke bread. They had fellowship, but they were committed. And the reason, we got to look at this because this is the prescription for the product in which they got. They were committed to teaching, to fellowship. They were committed to breaking bread. You know what breaking bread represents? It's communion. It's the Lord's Supper. It is remembering what Jesus did on the cross. His blood being spilled for us. His body being broken for us. And they said, this is part of our normal cycle. Our normal pattern is to remember. Man, when was the last time you just thought about what Jesus saved you from? 
Just remembering the cross. This was a part of their regular pattern, was to think about how Jesus saved them. Do you know what the blood means for you? The blood means that everything that you've done that's been wrong, every sin you ever committed is covered by the blood of Jesus. Better news, every sin that you'll ever commit in the future is covered by the blood of Jesus. Do you know what it means by his body being broken? It means that when his body was broken, that means that he was broken for us so that we could receive healing. That's what, so they would break bread together. They would remember the sacrifice of Jesus, committed to the word of God, committed to one another, committed to remembering the sacrifice of Jesus, and then they gave themselves to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. Prayer is dependence on God. Some of you are like, well, man, I'm not, I'm not very eloquent. I don't know if I could just like, like pray. or what. Listen, prayer is just talking to God. Talk to God how you would talk to your buddy. Talk to God, just be real with him. Some of you are like all fancy when you talk to God, like he can't read your mind. Like all of a sudden, you don't have, you don't have a potty mouth anymore when you're talking to Jesus. He already knows. You might as well just be real with him. He already knows what you're thinking. Some of you are like, Pastor, I don't think you should cuss to God. Well, you know what? God wants you to be authentic. I don't believe in cussing. I don't cuss. I don't, I don't really like it. I think it's really ignorant. But... If that's the way you talk, then just be authentic. Well, dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today in the manifest presence of your glorious Son, Jesus. And we ask that, like, you just got to be real. Hey, God, I don't feel like going to church today. Pastor Justin's going to yell too much. The volume's going to be too loud and parking's bad. I don't feel like going. I'm going to overlay your word over my feeling. I'm going to go anyways, but I'm going to be honest with him. That's what prayer is, just me talking to God. It's communication. It's relationship. But in in its purest form, it's dependence. Saying, God, I can't do this in my own strength. I need you. I can't do this in my own ability. I need you. Do you know why we don't see a lot of miracles? It's because we don't need God. We can do it in our own strength. We can do it in our own power. We can do it in our own ability. You know why you always see miracles on mission trips? Because they need him. They need God. You, 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 ever, you ever like got sick or you got have a symptom and then you like start freaking out and you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? So you go to urgent care and you call your neighbor and then you put it on the next door app and then you go to Instagram and you're like, guys, here's a picture of it. Can you identify? And, and, and then you go to WebMD. And then, you know, you know what happens. You're dying. It's like, at the bottom line of every condition in WebMD is like, prepare to die. (laughs) And then we pray. Right? It's all of these things, and that's why we don't see miracles. That's why we don't see God move. We don't need him enough. He's our last resort. Okay, oh, whoa. WebMD told me. It's over. Now, Lord, I really would like to live another 15 years. I mean, come on. That's why the early church was devoted. To, you know how the church of Jesus Christ moves forward? Prayer. You know how we reach the city? Well, let's have an awesome program and awesome VBX and all of those things we have. But what moves the church forward, what saves souls, what changes lives is prayer. It's the power of prayer. The church goes forward in prayer. And the early church was devoted They gave themselves entirely to a practice of prayer. And then it gave them a result. All four of those things produced something. It produced something. The first thing it produced is what we were just talking about. It produced uncommon power. 
power. Listen to this, verse 43, we read this. It says, everyone was filled with awe, everyone, was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. There was signs and wonders. People say, well, what is a sign and a wonder? I'll tell you, it's a sign that makes you wonder. I know, I know, I know. Tweet that. A sign, it's a sign that makes you wonder. People are like, man, we want to see signs and wonders. We want to see miracles. And then God does something like, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of weird. Yeah, you're wondering about it. It's a sign that made you wonder. It's just, I'll just help you along. It's like a little delay there. You need brunch too. It's a sign that makes you wonder. We don't, we don't understand. When the power of God shows up, you're not going to totally understand it. When something happens outside of natural law, it's called supernatural. And you're not always going to understand it. But if you are devoted to the things that the early church was devoted to, it will result in an uncommon power that's moving through our church and moving through our lives. Not just here, but everywhere we go. Seeing miracles. Seeing God show up. Seeing God move through people and on people uncommon power we need more churches of power we got great programs and great buildings and all of these things but we need the power of God that's what the early church saw power is a byproduct of the devotion that they had Luke chapter 9 verse 1 it says when Jesus had called the 12 together he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons how many and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He gave them power and authority. God's given us power and authority. I, I really like things clean. That's like, I, I love things clean. And, and I, I was vacuuming uh, a little while ago, and um, don't vacuum very often, but when I do, I enjoy it. And uh, I, I was vacuuming, and, and, I, and I went outside of the length of the cord, and the cord pulled out of the the wall. So the vacuum shut off, but I was like mid-stride, you know? I, and, and I make a pattern when I vacuum. I don't know if anybody does that. It's got, line's got to be straight. That's how you mow the lawn, too. It's like, what, what are y'all doing out there? Um, and, and, and so, and so I, I, had a, I had a couple strokes with no power. And I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me that the church has got a lot of motion. We're doing the right thing. We look good. We're here. Look at us. Amazing but where's the power? You can do the right thing with the right things, but have no power. Because you have to be in to have power. I gotta be all in. And we need a church of uncommon power. We need miracles. We gotta believe again. That means God is our number one source, not our 17th source. That means God, we're just gonna pray, we're gonna believe God, we're gonna believe you and just see what happens. We're gonna trust you, uncommon power. They had uncommon unity. There wasn't a division in the early church. It was uncommon unity. Verse 44 said all the believers were together and they had everything in common. There was unity, like purpose, like vision. Mark chapter three, verse 25 said, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. For many of us, we live in divided houses. We attend divided churches. I'm gonna tell you this, we're a unified church. The unity of this church is super important. That's what the early church, that was produced in the early church when they were devoted to the word of God overlaying their emotions and prayer and all of those things. It produced a unified church with great concern for one another. Not just great concern, but they took great responsibility. The early church, it was responsibility for one another. You know how we live in 2019. It's like, man, I do me, you do you. It's like, 
this, don't cross the lines. Like, you got a problem? You got a problem, man. You're probably irresponsible. It's your fault. But the early church had this uncommon unity saying, I got concern for you. Man, you're going through something. I want to I help you. I want to come alongside you. I, I want to speak into your life. I want to encourage you. It says that they had an uncommon generosity. Generosity. Verse 45 says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Can you imagine that like today? Like we hear about somebody having a need and we're like, you know what, I might sell the lake house and um, kind of like pay their bills. No, none of us would ever think about that. Because we're like, man, why didn't they go to college and get a job? Why aren't they responsible? Why weren't they more thrifty? Why didn't they save the money? Why am I having to help them? This is probably the third time they needed help. Why didn't they do better? We would never, it just doesn't, and all those reasons are valid. Because we have a lot of irresponsibility. But the early church had this, this concern that would lead to action. Concern that would lead to action. Cons- See, we, a lot of us have concern. Oh yeah, and we'll like get on Facebook and talk about our concerns, concerns, our prayer requests after we watch the news update of the night. And it's like, we got some prayer requests. No, we got some concerns that we're not willing to take action on. If you got a concern, why don't you be all in and take action? Begin to move towards the solution of what you're talking about. This is what the early church, there was an uncommon unity, but there was an uncommon generosity. They said, man, we, got to, not, we don't just have a concern, but we're gonna give to this. This is not just money, this is your life. This is not just finances. Sometimes finances are easier to give than your life. The uncommon generosity says, I'm here to share me. My resources, my giftings, my abilities, I'm, I'm here to sell my life. Uncommon generosity. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. It's not even talking about money, it's talking about our lives. That God's comforted us, we need to comfort others. God's encouraged us, we need to encourage others. Others, freely we've received and freely we should give. I was meeting a guy this last week and uh, we were supposed to about come in time for the meeting and he texted me, he said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna be a little late uh, on, on the meeting. And, and I was in the lobby and I looked out and he's in the parking lot. And uh, I'm like, okay, man, like I'll be here when you're done. And uh, so he's out there for a while, I'm waiting. He's like, I'm sorry, I can see him texting me. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm coming, just one minute. And uh, so I'm like, what is that guy doing out there? He's just in the parking lot for like half an hour. And uh, so finally comes in and he's like, oh man, I'm so sorry, you know, I'm late to the, to the meet. I'm like, what were you doing out there? And uh, he's like, oh, don't worry about it. You know what, I'm like, okay, now I'm suspicious. <laughs> what were you doing in the parking lot? And uh, he goes, oh, one of the young adults, man, he's pursuing ministry. He's a man of God. I just gave him my car. I'm like, you just gave him your car? Like, do you know him? He's a great guy. Um, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I just gave him my car. I'm like, wow. He says, yeah, he's a man of God. He needs a car. I wanted to give it to him. I'm like, wow, that's, in, that's, in, that's uncommon generosity. You know, it's funny. We wrapped up the meeting, and he goes, oh, I got to go. My wife's here. I'm like, Oh, yeah, his wife's got to pick him up. doesn't have a car. So it's like he's back, in, he's, he's back like a teenager. He's like, honey, thank you. 
rides here. Sorry, pastor, I got to roll. And, and he gave his car away. That's uncommon generosity. He had concern for someone else. He saw God working in a man's life and said, you know what? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to come alongside. That's uncommon. Unco- this, is the, this is a characteristic of the early church, uncommon generosity. The last one is this, uncommon dedication. We talked about this, when they devoted themselves to these things, this was the result. Devotion is synonymous with dedication. So their devotion actually led to more devotion. Being all in on something actually led them to be all in. It, 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 it worked to take them deeper. Uncommon dedication, it says, is every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I want you to know this. Every day means that your Christianity is bigger than the hour and 10 minutes we spend together on Sunday. It's gotta be bigger. Your faith has gotta be bigger than this time that we spend together. They say every day. Well, I can't go to church every day. It's not talking about going to church every day. It's talking about this thing becoming a lifestyle, not just something you attend. I'm all in on what's happening. I'm all in on what God's doing. That means I pray. That means I spend time with God. That means I get in the word. That means I receive what God's doing. That means I get with brothers and sisters and have community. I'm invested because this is not about me attending what God's doing. This is about me being a part of what God's doing. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. He says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. That's pretty much everything. It's pretty much covered it. And a lot of us pass that test. Oh, yeah, I love all my heart. God, I got you. All my soul, my mind. I'm in. I'm in. And then he says something really mean. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like, don't you wish that one wasn't in there? It's like we were, we were vibing, God. Like, oh, my heart, my mind, my soul. Yeah, like I, we're, I, I'm in it. Love your neighbor. What? Like, this was written a long time ago. You don't know my neighbor. Like, you knew your neighbors. You could say that. You don't know my neighbors. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor. See, this is the balance of the early church. I'm in on you, God. So because I'm in on you, I'm in on others. I have great concern, great responsibility for the people around me. It's not just me. It's not just about what I want what I need. God, what are you doing? How are you moving? How can you use me? Let, let, let me close by saying this. There's, Acts chapter 2 is it's the beginning of the early church. It's exciting because Christianity begins to sweep the nation, the world. It, it begins to spread so rapidly. 3,000 people were added the first day, and then from there on, miracles, signs and wonders, radical salvation is happening. So, I mean, it's just, it, it is incredible what God is doing through the apostles and through the church. Acts chapter 3, the next chapter, Peter and John walking down the road, and there is a crippled man who's sitting outside the gate, and he's begging. Peter and John, now I want you in, this is interesting, Peter and John were not still in the upper room. So they had a, they had a Holy Ghost service, but they didn't stay in the upper room. That's why we have the I'm in signs as you go out of this building. And if you can reach it, which hopefully all of you can, just get a little jump on there, jump up there and hit that sign on your way out because it's a prophetic act for us that what we're stepping into is out there, not in here. 
The upper room is not being in. The upper room is equipping and empowering for what's out there. So they got equipped and empowered, and then they walked out of the upper room. People are getting saved. They're walking along. There's a crippled man who's there, and he's been there for a long time, and he's begging. And Peter and John, they say this. They say, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we give you. Said in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now, now let me just let me just kind of like help you because we have all of us represented in this story. Some of us right now are crippled somehow, some way, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially. Some way, something happened that crippled your progress, left you lame in an area. Maybe it was crisis. Maybe it was a trauma. Maybe it was a death. Maybe, I I don't know what it is. Something left you, ah, I'm just not who I used to be. I'm in crisis. Or you would say maybe every area of you is good in one side, but there's part of you that's like, man, I'm just crippled in that area. Some of you are struggling with depression. You're crippled in the area of your joy. There's just no joy. So this is this man, he's standing there. Now, if you're not crippled in any area, you're Peter and John. And Peter and John are just going about their business when they recognize the need. Now I'm going to show you how the church of Jesus Christ should work. Some days you're going to be crippled, and some days you're going to be Peter and John. I wish I could always be Peter and John. Silver and gold have I none, baby, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, it's just, I wish, I wish that was, that was like all the time. But there's sometimes I've been crippled. And I need someone to see me and say, hey, bro, come on, get up and walk. I don't have the right advice. I don't have money to give you. I don't have resources to give you. I don't have a counseling degree. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. See, this is how the church works. Sometimes you're crippled and sometimes you're Peter and John. Many of you, you're not all in. And so you go on a walk, but you don't see anybody around you. When you begin to go all in, all of a sudden God opens your eyes to the people around you and you recognize that I don't have to have a theology degree to help someone. All I have to do is have eyes to see that there's more than me out there. And so I can recognize where they at, God. Who's crippled today? Who's discouraged today? Who on my job needs a word of encouragement? needs a prayer, needs a word, and I can say, hey, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Well, that sounds a little extreme, pastor. That's why you don't see signs and wonders, because you think everything that's not natural is extreme, and there's no way you can operate supernaturally if everything that is super is extreme to you. We've got to recognize some of us are Peter and John today, and it's time to just start looking around us. Oh, man, I'm going to go all in. I'm just going to start looking around us because you have no idea what a word of encouragement, what a hand up, what sharing your own story could do for somebody. And then there's other people in this room that you've been helping people up in the past, but today you came in and you're crippled. And that's okay too because the body of Christ is not one person always being Peter and John and one person always being a cripple because God never leaves people the way that they are. So just because they've been a cripple for a while doesn't mean they're always going to be a cripple. God had a plan to heal to restore. Now this is what's crazy in the story, and this is, this is where we'll, we'll land the plane. Peter and John, yeah, Peter is just, I love Peter. 
he says all kinds of crazy things, all right? So now he's made the pivot. He's like, he's a man of God now. And um, he's trying to stop putting his foot in his mouth all the time. And this guy's crippled. And this, this, he, he, he's ready for this. And this is how I wish it would happen, right? This, is, this, is, this would be my desire. Because when, when he speaks to man, like the Bible says, he didn't get healed right away. You read it all together like it was one moment, but that's not what it says. It says, Peter, and this is what Peter probably would have hoped happened too, because he looks at the man, he's crippled, and he's like, ah, silver and gold, I have none. But what I do have, I give in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Bam. Bam. Touch him, Lord. Now. Now, I, nothing. It didn't say he got up. This is the truth because it's going to help somebody. It didn't happen then. It says somebody helped the man to his feet. Wait, he's not healed? He's crippled and they're like, come on, man, stand up. And it says they had to help him to his feet because he was not healed yet. It says, and then God strengthened his ankles and he began to run and walk and leap. There's a message in this. Because healing is twofold. It's Peter and John saying, rise up. But it's also us saying, before I feel it, before I see it, before it happens in faith, I'm just going to, even though I'm crippled, I'm still going to stand. Even though I'm struggling, I'm in. Even though I'm not there yet, I'm making a decision with all my heart and with all my mind and with all my strength. I'm in on what you're doing, God. I don't see the answer yet. I don't see the solution yet. I haven't felt the bondage break yet, but I'm in. And it says, as they helped the man to his feet, then God, then his ankles became strong and he began to run and walk and leap and praise God. Here's the, here's the crazy thing. You never have to encourage a miracle to praise God. You know, sometimes we come to church like, come on, stir yourselves up. Shake, shake the oatmeal out. Let's, look, like, let's use your voice. Like we actually love Jesus. Come on now, let's get going. You don't have to do that when signs and wonders are happening. When crippled people are standing up, you don't have to encourage everybody to praise. Well, let's put our hands together and give God a nice, polite clap. No. When people start getting out of wheelchairs, when people that are depressed start finding joy, when people that are lost start being found, you don't got to tell anybody, if you feel comfortable, please lift your hands. Because we say, God, surely you are among us. You are doing something supernatural. It's uncommon. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's people who are all in. I'm all in on what you're doing. I'm all in on how you're moving. I'm all in on this move of your spirit. I'm in, God. Amen. Would you stand up with me all across this place? You may be crippled today. You may be Peter today. I don't know which one. But I guarantee you this. If you're Peter, one day you're going to be crippled. And if you're crippled, one day you're going to be Peter. But the body, when it works together, is there for one another. Somebody's got to help the crippled man to his feet. Somebody's got to be willing to step out in faith. we got to work together. I think some people think that they're just called to be Peter all the time. I'm just the one out here uh, telling people to rise up and walk. What happens when you can't walk, Peter? You got to hide it. That's why you got to live in authentic community. That's why you got to just be okay with not being okay sometimes. 
That means you got to realize that sometimes I need help. Sometimes I need a brother. Sometimes I need a sister. Sometimes I need encouragement. Somebody, sometimes I need someone to preach to me. I'm the pastor. I'll just, no, sometimes I need someone to preach to me. Yeah, that's how the body works. When we're devoted to these things, this is the byproduct. A church of uncommon power, uncommon generosity, uncommon unity, uncommon dedication, maybe uncommon revival. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.